Hey Canada, my name is Sherry Tenhove. Welcome to the Kindergarten Classroom at Lacombe Christian School in Lacombe, Alberta, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is the Every Square Centimeter Podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada, and we are euphoric to have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. In our last stop, we flew across the pond. I don't know if you can call it, like, when you're crossing the ocean, can you call it flying across the pond to yes. Australia? I always reference that to Europe. Okay. Thanks. Darren's our resident geog- ge- geography guy, so I always look to him for that. So, you know, In our last stop, when we flew across the pond, we spent time actually in Adelaide, South Australia with Fiona Partridge, and we learned about idioms. Uh, both Darren and I actually just learned literally what idioms are, but then we had a chance to learn some Australian idioms. So I, I'm going to take, you know, try a little bit with this. So the, the, how about this? That emu bobbing could replace through-line earthkeeping. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Thumbs up. Okay, how about this one? That getting all three of us to run a marathon would be like having a few ruse loose in the top paddock. N- well, not as called a, f- a no. few screws loose in the head, as <laughs> okay. well as a few <laughs> ruse loose in the paddock. It's a okay. double loose. Okay. So maybe that's that one's a stretch. We also learned that the Kyperian routes that connect CEN or Christian Education National in Australia and CSC, so it connects us. Uh, we also learn how Fiona's perspective that all of life is worship impacts her teaching, leading, and living. We learned how we can all learn to be marigolds in our relationships, and we learned that the digestive system of a wombat would put a sparkle in the eye of any geometry teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fascinating. Although the internet connection wasn't great down under, it was wonderful having yarn with Fiona, and Graham did some wonderful work making that audio work, so thank you, Graham, in the background. Today... Today, we are thankful you've joined us because we are going to LA. Sorry, not international. We're not going to LA, but you're thinking. We're going to Lacombe, Alberta, and we're going to call ourselves a coterie. A Lacomer coterie? Lacomer? What do you think, Sherry? Lacomian? Lacomian. Okay, Lacomian coterie. That's a mouthful. Uh, get to, know, to get to know our Lacomian coterie, we're going to start our podcast off with a name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE, and alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Fishing with Chicken Wings, Darren Speaksma. Hey, Coterie. Hey, Darren. Darren, our prompt today, tell me about a farming or farm experience. So I had the privilege of paying my way through university working on a dairy farm. So trying to narrow it down to maybe the most traumatic, I thought was a good way to go. Um, So one of the farms I worked on, the Jansons, they had a double eight milking parlor and then all the cows would walk down in an alley. And the last thing that had to be done before you went home was you needed to scrape that alley clean. So you basically push all the manure to the end and then shovel it out out the door. Um, and then drive a tractor by and clean it up. So I was in a hurry. And so I was just booking it. So you've got the snow shovel basically, and you're scraping manure and you're pushing all this manure to the end of the door and you can see where this is going. And I am running because there was a young lady who had agreed (laughs) to spend some time in the evening with me that evening. And this was something I was excited about and I was late as happens on the farm. And you can imagine I was running the shovel got caught in a groove in the wall and I went over the shovel into the pile of manure that I had put to the end of the alley and I walked back into the dairy completely like we're talking in your mouth, in your oh. eyes. Like it was just all so bad. And I walked back into the dairy and the farmer who was just cleaning the dairy just looked at me, 
burst out laughing and just took out the hose and started spraying Spray me off. Down. And I just yeah. stood there and he just sprayed me off. And it was one of those times where you drive home in your underwear because you just peel all that clothes off, roll them up, put them in a plastic bag before you get in the car. Cause there's no way you're getting in the car to go home. Did you catch that guys? One of those times you drive home in your underwear. <laughs> Can't wait to explore the other uh, times. Darren, uh, did your lady friend notice any smells? Well, that's why I had to get home and shower because okay. there's no way I was going straight yeah. to anything. So I think, you know, the shower did the job. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, that's great. Uh, from Advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy I had to tell. Oh, I bear with me here. All right. I had to tell. Fair suck the source bottle, mate. After hosting the last podcast, Justin Cook. I think that means I did a good job, right? I, that's I don't, I, not I, well. I don't think it had anything to do with how good of a job you did, but it was like get out of the way. It's my, you know, I want I want the photocopier back, right? Right. Hey, Canada. Oh, okay. Canada. Justin, tell me about a farm experience. All right. Well, I'm going to the dairy farm too. Okay. Uh, so you guys remember I was given a friend in grade four. Do you remember me telling you about that, Brian? He lived oh, was, on a dairy farm. I was going to say Barry. Okay. Brian, yep. So I would often go to Brian's in between the first service and the second service on Sundays because we would meet up and uh, do the swap. It was perfect for the family. So yeah, lots of time spent on the farm, not just between uh, services. Uh, you know, I could talk about dipping uh, uh, cow teats in the mm-hmm. blue liquid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Or uh, riding up the uh, the bale elevator into the top of the hay mow. Felt oh. pretty cool doing that. As the elevator was going, you just kind of like move your hands along the elevator. But what for me, s- sticking with Darren's idea of trauma what was most intriguing and traumatic for me was a, a cow was giving birth to a calf and I was watching this with horrified <laughs> fascination and it wasn't going well. And I, I mean, I had no idea until I started to realize it wasn't going well because Mr. Kersey's wrapped a big thick strap around the legs of the mm-hmm. calf that were sticking out and then on a hand winch put a chain against the, the stall wall and literally started hand winching out this calf to help the birth. Yes. And I was mortified. I was like, this <laughs> cannot end well for anybody. Uh, but Mr. Kersey's, he's a midwife. Mm-hmm. He's a mid- <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. That is awesome. Thank you, Justin. Uh, as we heard off the top, we are honored to be welcomed virtually into Lacombe Christian School by Cherry Tenove. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Sherry. Um, you live on a farm is is how is what we understand. So maybe tell us a little bit about life on a farm. Sure, yeah, we do. Uh, together with my husband, we own a dairy farm. So all your dairy stories sounded pretty true and realistic to us. Few. <laughs> awesome. um, yeah, we milk about 54 cows. We have about 120 animals on the farm. So we have early mornings and Mm. lots of fun. Uh, Mm. It's usually my husband and the kids milking in the morning. They start at 4 a.m. Wow. Mm -hmm. So on the rare occasion when they get me out there, the sunrises at that time of day Mm -hmm. are pretty awesome. Mm. That's a pretty fun, yeah, just way to see God's handiwork every morning. Um. Some of the other fun parts about farming, of course, the most exciting days are when the cows get out. Doesn't happen very often, but boy, there's lots of fun when you have to go chasing after them. The best time was when they got out at midnight and it was pitch dark and we had to whistle for them. And thankfully they came because we couldn't Mm. see where they were. (laughs) And then we also have some grain and uh, hayland that we do or that we harvest. So probably the most memorable story there is combining in the snow. A couple of years ago, winter came early. We couldn't get the crop off. It was laying under the snow, but it was dry enough that we could combine in the snow. So there was snow shooting out the back of the combine and we got the, the harvest in. That was pretty wow. remarkable. Holy cow. 
Very cool. I'm Sh- I'm thinking we need pictures of that on the show notes. Yes. Yeah, if, have any that. if you have any pictures of snow shooting out of the back of the combine, I'd love to see that. So cool. I think Sharon, we have a few. Curious awesome. how uh how your how farming, living on the farm impacts your job as a teacher. Yeah, well, I love to talk about farming uh with my students. I think it's really important that Kids know where their food comes from. Mm. And now, thanks to me being inducted into a dairy farm, I can actually talk knowledgeably about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So I always promote with students knowing where their food comes from, shopping local where possible. You know, in the grocery stores, especially around Lacombe, we know where our veggies come from and we know where the yogurt comes from because they're farm names from around here. Mm-hmm. We're, mm. we're very fortunate that way. I'd say the best way that farming impacted my teaching was when I would do pet day. And I haven't done that for a few years, but you can imagine the interesting pets you get when you're in a farming community. Mm-hmm. Dogs mm-hmm. and cats there weren't many of them, but we had donkeys and horses and llamas and sheep. <laughs> it was pretty fun. And the parents are literally loading them up on trailers and bringing them to school, right? Like Absolutely. I can picture that. Yes. Yep. That is awesome. Can't imagine why that hasn't happened for a couple of years. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, I I don't have, uh, I, we lived on an acreage growing up. Um, so, and, and my dad did farm uh, growing up when I was, quite young he did a little bit of farming but my more recent experience was when i was probably about 10 to 14 i two i did two years with 4-h and so i had to uh, raise a steer i'm uh, curious if any of you know what the 4-h's stand for a quick little quiz anybody heart hands yes. oh. guys you should jump on that heart hands what else would come with that head head heart hands so we use that language a lot Oops. in our uh, <laughs> what about help? Close. It's health. So heart, oh. hands, head, and health. Uh, but anyway, I was in 4-H, and uh, one year I had a steer superstar. Uh, we got dead last in show. Um, <laughs> they wanted they wanted tall, narrow. Uh, we were fat and short. Um, <laughs> and, but I, so we got dead last. But I it ended up working well for me. I had massive glasses and a mullet, and I think the bitters felt bad for me. Uh, and so they just kept bidding it up and up. And I think I made more money than the grand champion. So, uh, but I remember weeping when my cow, I sold my cow and, and it was a, it was a beef. Uh, so, you know, it's going to slaughter as opposed to, you know, some of the dairy 4-H's. So, uh, I made a lot of money, but at that point it, it, it was, I was telling my kids this the other day and they said, you cried over that, but you made some, and I was like, oh, you're just, it was like a pet. I would have been, I would have brought superstar to my bring your pet to school day. So, Wait, so superstar out, was it you, its name yes. was superstar yes. <laughs> that's what i heard too yeah superstar oh, th- was his name sorry did i did i did i insinuate that i was the superstar no i just thought you were being ironic about your your <laughs> steer being a superstar by getting dead last no he was actually named superstar <laughs> and then we got dead last so yeah yeah so for the second half of our opening square we have our host Choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with aim last time we played a game called say what just say what? It. Yeah, okay. But today, Sherry has chosen a first-time segment. Sherry, drumroll. <laughs> Acclaim! Yep. <laughs> All right, for the acclaim segment. So first time, we're keeping it quite general. We're just saying an acclaim means you're kind of praising or, or noting for everyone an educational recommendation. Okay, so we're keeping it quite general today. Justin, I'll go to you first. An educational recommendation. Where are you going? All right. Thanks, Sherry, for this uh, inaugural acclaim segment. I love it. Um, I'm going to recommend a book by our friends Lynn Swanner and Andy Wolf. Uh, they co-wrote. Lynn is from ACSI in the States, and Andy is from the Church of England um, schools in the UK. They've written a book together called Flourishing Together. And there are five frames that they use to think about flourishing in schools and for the people in the schools. Uh, Those frames are purpose, relationships, learning, resources, and well-being. And for each of those frames, they they think about kind of 
cutting educational research, a biblical image or uh, connection to our biblical story, and then finally some areas and activities for reflection. So, um, yeah, just really appreciate it. I, a part of it, these are good friends. And mm-hmm. so it's really fun to read a beautiful work by people you love. So flourishing together by Lynn and Andy. So, uh, connected highly then to even Christian worldview and Christian schools, Justin. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So they, they pick a, a specific biblical motif that relates to each of those frames. So for mm-hmm. instance, in, um, relationships, the focus is on um, oh, purpose, I'm sorry. The focus is on the concept of Zoe, living life to the fullest from the Gospel of John. Oh, and cool. in, in resources, they talk about the image of bread in the Bible. So yeah, just really deep and meaningful connections, both biblically and educationally. Justin, uh, leaders, teachers, uh, both, uh, who, who do you see benefiting from this? Yeah, I think both for sure. I mean, it's not a it's not a make and take. Like you're not going to have something specific for your class on Monday, but I think it's it is significant for all of us to think about our own flourishing and our students flourishing within these frames for sure. Cool. Might uh, might have to do a international uh, episode mm. connecting with uh, one or both of those at some point. Darren, an educational recommendation. So. For me, one of the books that uh, I have reread as part of uh, Van Lunen executive leadership uh, reading list is Dr. Henry Cloud's Necessary Endings. And I think so often we think of endings as bad. And what I appreciate about uh, Cloud's work is the reality that we all actually need to give up sometimes on employees, sometimes on businesses, and sometimes on relationships in order to move forward. And just the uh, reframe of of endings and the reality that sometimes endings happen and that's okay and that allows everyone to move forward well uh, because these endings happen and just kind of being aware of those those endings in your own life and having the courage to to step towards them if it's necessary uh darren uh, amazon uh wherever you can get books is that where where could people get this do you know yeah, the beauty of being part of the Van Lunen cohort is um, they ship them right to you. I assume it's Amazon as well. Um, okay. It's a bestseller, and it's a best-selling author. So, okay. um, yes, wherever good books can be purchased. And leaders, probably more more for school leaders? Yeah, or I think people aspiring potentially too, because I think yeah. some of it is sometimes you need to participate in an ending in order to move forward. Right. Um, so I think it's, um, yeah, more leader focused, but not exclusively by any means. Thank you, Darren. And Sherry, uh, thank you. Yeah. As Justin said, very neat to do something different. Uh, so what's an educational recommendation? Yeah. So the last year or two, I've been learning lots about the science of reading. It's, uh, something that especially primary teachers, I think have been spending lots of time on in kindergarten especially, but really all of primary, one of those important pieces of learning how to read is phonemic awareness, being able to break down the words that we say, the words that we read and write into their smallest pieces. So the sounds of each word. And so two of the organizations that I've been using some of their materials are Hagerty and Reading Simplified. Hagerty is a program kind of for the whole class. You just do about a 10-minute lesson or so, thinking about the initial sounds of words, the ending sounds of words, taking a sound out, putting a new one in, and making a new word. You do it as a whole class. Reading Simplified is more of a small group or individual focus can definitely be used for resource if you've got kids that need some extra support. Same kind of thing, working at hearing the sounds, attaching them to a printed letter. I found it has worked wonders in helping my students read, but also be able to write more confidently. Hmm. Sherry, can you spell the first one uh, for us? Sure. Hagerty, H-E-G-G. 
E-R-T-Y. You can find it at hagerty.org. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Um, any, uh, in terms of at home, like could, could parents at home use it as well? Is there apps or? I'm not sure there's an app. Um, you can set, certainly find some individual lessons just on YouTube or Vimeo. There's some kind of recorded lessons that give you an idea. Um, a lot of the ideas are things that you can just do easily. Mug. Oh, what's the first sound? Mug. Now, what if I change the mm to an er? What new word would I get? Mm-hmm. So parents can easily do that kind of thing at home too. Uh, Sherry, so this, um, it's across Canada, well, um, an international movement, I'm sure. We have a, a, a elementary school working group looking at literacy curriculum. And so we've been diving into the science of reading a ton. And fellas, we had Jackie DeRaff, if you recall, mm-hmm. she talked about yeah. sound walls mm-hmm. from earlier in the se- in uh, season one. So yeah, just, yeah, we're with you. And mm-hmm. maybe I got to connect with you about kind of jumping into my working group. It'd be really fun to talk about, you know, what's Alberta saying as opposed to Ontario, because mm-hmm. it sounds like we're talking about similar things, which is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty exciting that we can actually, thanks to brain research, see how kids learn to read. So mm-hmm. we can give them the tools they need to make that easier for them. It's pretty exciting stuff. As a parent of four kids that struggled reading, uh, anything to help out uh, is is would be great. So I'm, I'm so I so appreciate uh, teachers diving into the the minutia that just you know the the basis of that to help kids understand um, you know such an important foundation. So thank you. Uh, my ac- education recommendation would be the use of protocols. Uh, I know protocols is probably a swear word in a lot of schools right now because it's attached <laughs> to COVID, but uh, I'm thinking not COVID protocols, but more around structured conversations. Uh, some people call them thinking routines. Uh, EL Education has a, a wonderful library of, so if you just Google EL Education protocols, you will get just a whole bunch of wonder, wonderful thinking routines or structured conversations. Project Zero, Harvard's Project Zero also has a bunch of them that are linked to actually just different themes. Uh, so you can Google PZ's Thinking Routine Toolbox and get a whole bunch more. And one I've used recently that I've, I'm a fan of is the GoGoMo. Uh, you could use this with quotes or you could probably even do this with, you know, reviewing for a test. You give out a bunch of questions to kids or in quotes to kids. They each have their own. They go find someone in the class. They share their quote together, or if it was a test question, share the question, answer them. Then you swap. So you give it to the person, you give them the quote or the question, then you get one back, you get the new one, and then you go find someone else. So you, uh, and so it's a, a wonderful way to, to organize classroom and focus on, I think, the idea of the, the people in the classroom that are doing the talking are doing the learning. And I find that protocols really encourage teachers to step back and allow students to be having conversations. So go check out a couple of those spots, EL Education Protocols or Harvard Project Zero or PZ's Thinking Routine Toolbox. Listeners, let us know an educational recommendation that we should know about and we could acclaim in future episodes or tweet us at every square centimeter or message us on Instagram. We're going to transition from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little bit about the places in Canada and celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. But before we do, Here's a word from our acclaimed sponsor. My name is Judy Vanduin. I teach at Calvin Christian School in Hamilton, Ontario. When our grade two classes study our community each year, we encourage them to learn about their own city, but also to look at the broader community, even beyond Canada. We want them to recognize that God's people are found around the world. So we invited Edudeo to do a class presentation with a focus on Christmas celebrations in their partner countries. We also co-created a fabulous hands-on learning opportunity where students could explore and even experience different cultural traditions in Zambia and the Dominican Republic. This opportunity really enhanced our students' learning and allowed them to see and enjoy the wonderful diversity God has created in the people of His world. If you're interested in inviting Edudeo to bring a global perspective into your classroom, contact Lori Coney by emailing schools at edudeo.com. As we heard off the top, Sherry teaches at Lacombe Christian School in Lacombe, Alberta, Canada. Justin, what do you have about Lacombe? Oh, yeah. 
Lacombe, here we come. Well, Lacombe is located within hereditary indigenous land. It's Treaty 6 territory, established in 1876, and the traditional home and meeting ground for many indigenous peoples, including the Blackfoot, Dene, Cree, and the Métis. So as I was looking into Lacombe, everyone, I, I, I realized quickly that it was named after Father Albert Lacombe. And little pat on the back for me, he's actually an Easterner. So he came from Eastern Canada. He's a French-Canadian Roman Catholic priest who moved west after being dissatisfied with the East. So I thought you guys would appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Go Western west, way. Go West, <laughs> young man, Father Albert Lacombe. Uh, when he arrived, he wintered uh, with uh, the Cree and the Métis, and that led him to study the Cree language and ultimately translate the New Testament into hmm. Cree. Hmm. Very and he was actually well known for brokering a peace deal between the Cree and the Blackfoot in 1872. So keep in mind, Canada is just being formed, the Dominion of 1867. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating to me to think about what type of respect is required for a Catholic priest to be involved in creating peace between two First Nations, and how complicated it is that he was also deeply committed to colonizing the West mm -hmm. of Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so I just I I'm not deeply familiar enough with our history and its complexity to know what what the right attitude is towards mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. Complicated. Today, though, Lacombe is home to about fourteen thousand people. Sherry, is that does that yeah. sound about right? Yeah. yeah. Located on that awesome, well-known Highway 2 route between Calgary and Edmonton, so about an hour's drive south of Edmonton, um, it's got Rocky Mountain foothills uh, on the west and flat Alberta prairie on the, on the, uh, to the east. And as Sherry has already embodied for us, it's agricultural country, and it actually has a, a pretty amazing-sounding R&D center that takes pride in developing Canada's first livestock breed. Not dairy, but the Lacombe hog. Oh, wow. Produced in Lacombe and honored. And by the way, Father Albert now has a pig, I guess, because okay. he's, you know, Mr. Lacombe. <laughs> so the hog is known for being docile, for rapid weight gain, and the quality of meat. And surprise, surprise, that sounds like a pretty good bread hog. Uh, <laughs> so if I wanted hogs in my backyard... I could get myself a Lacombe hog. Well, you could ask Sherry. I, she right might now. be able to help. Well, actually, you All know right. a lot of people in Lacombe too. Hey, Darren. <laughs> I've never heard of the Lacombe hog. I'm fascinated by the Lacombe <laughs> hog. Well, this might be a reason why. So this was also fascinating. Now, only a few private corporations own the breed, and technically it's considered critically endangered. Oh. So, which... Like, I didn't know you could have livestock on, like, the endangered species list. Uh, hmm. But, so I don't, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's, uh, so, Sherry, you talked about the connection of agriculture to your own upbringing and how, and, and to, sorry, not to your upbringing, to, to teaching and to education. And I honestly think, well, I, I talked about my kind of upbringing with Brian living on his dairy farm. It is a profound part of my upbringing. It is a massive part of my understanding of life on this planet. Um, it got me more in touch primarily with earth and animal than anything else that I was doing in school. So I, I'm being playful with the Lacombe hog, but I think agriculture is such a fundamentally human mm. thing to know intimately. Uh, and Sherry, I'm just glad you're with us to keep talking about it and to explore it. So that's La Lacombe and their hog and their priest. Wow. That's a connection I wasn't ready for. <laughs> uh, Sherry, how did you end up in Lacombe? Yeah, so I grew up about an hour and a half north of here in Sherwood Park, which is just close to Edmonton. And I was offered a job at Lacombe Christian right out of university. I was attending King's University. They were the first school to offer me a job, and I took it. Um, and I've been here ever since. So I feel pretty fortunate to be part of this community. It's the city of Lacombe, but then also the surrounding Lacombe County, um, all the agriculture, also kind of the, the supporting industries around that. Um, Justin, you were saying how agriculture is 
a pretty formative thing to be part of. I would say the people here have a real life understanding about being mm-hmm. earth keepers. Mm-hmm. To be a good farmer means that you are a good steward of the land. And, and that just it has real life implications here. So it sounds to me like the school you work for represents the, the broader community, that area you described. Talk to us a little bit about your school. Yeah, so the Calm Christian School was started in 1945. So it just recently celebrated its 75th anniversary. It's a play school to grade nine. There are 415 students there this year, about 200 families. It's two campuses, so a K-3 to campus and a 4-9 to campus. And it's got just a wonderfully supportive parents, wonderful supportive parents, I should say, and a very large, generous community. Um, Just really a warm and welcoming community to be part of. Awesome. Sounds amazing. I want to just grab something you said there. I think you said play school not preschool. That's a significant and to me, very attractive difference. Talk to me about that difference. Well, play school means that they learn through play. We think that students, all of us, learn a lot by playing. So the play school is intentionally named a play school so that and they structure lots of learning opportunities mm-hmm. in them but the point of it is for kids to come and play to learn to play together to maybe be encouraged to play in different ways but it is a play school hmm. does play carry on into the primary as well sherry do you have aspects of that in your kindergarten classroom as well or is that only kind of what darren is saying for us is typically preschool We are definitely a play-based kindergarten as well. Every afternoon, there is time set aside for kids to explore different centers, and it is play-based. So there's a sand table and a water table and a carpentry table and a discovery with who knows what kinds of interesting materials there and a craft and various things like that. And throughout the day in kindergarten, we're always looking for fun ways to let kids play as they learn. Sure. Maybe you could tell. Oh, go ahead. I was was just going to say, sorry, it's about time. We got a, uh, a water table. What, what else do we get to play with in our visit to the comb sand table? Yeah. Painting carpentry. carpentry. Yeah. Amazing. All I know is I've always hated the name preschool, but why I never thought of this sort of take is I'm almost embarrassed by the fact (laughs) that because preschool has always bugged me. You know what? I think, I think we, we gotta be a bit like if people play school, it typically looks like, you know, traditional school. We got to play non-school. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Sherry, uh, maybe, can you tell us maybe a a fun story about student, like you're in kindergarten. So I'm sure you, you get some interesting interactions with kids. Tell us a little bit about maybe one of those or some of those interactions. One of the best parts of kindergarten is the funny things that kids say. <laughs> Pretty much every day, myself and my wonderful EA who is in the room with me look at each other. And most days we can keep the smiles in, but every once in a while, we just burst out laughing at something they've said. So a couple of them that um, stand out to me, we were learning letters, of course, in kindergarten, that's exciting. And when you can just start putting them together, one of the first words they can put together is mom. So one of the students said, hey, I can spell mom, M-O-M. And another student just shouted out, that's how I spell my mom's name too. (laughs) (laughs) And then a kid came up to me, we have a listening center so they can listen to stories and different things like that and they have headphones and she came up and she said mrs tenhove my ear muffins aren't working yeah. <laughs> so now we call them ear muffins yeah. and then As you should <laughs> just one more i had a student sharing lots about something that had happened at home and i i couldn't quite follow the whole thing because her Her words were just coming out fast and furious. Something about 
people coming over to visit. I wasn't quite sure. But then at the end of it, she wrapped it up by saying, but don't believe me about that because I'm not sure about it. (laughs) (laughs) So there's just always something fun going on and you just (laughs) smile and go with it. They, they're humble and um, just interested in everything and eager to learn. They're fun Mm -hmm. to be with. That's awesome, Sherry. Um, My wife was at EA in a JK classroom too. And, um, not only the things the kids would say, but the things they would say about their homes was uh, pretty pretty intimate at times, which is amazing. So uh, can you just describe something unique in your, I mean, we've already got a taste of the, some of the, the, the centers and, and the sand table, et cetera, but what, what about the walls or any other aspects that you want to share about your classroom? One of the things that I think is important as Christian school teachers is that our students know God's story. So I have four pictures on my walls that kind of show God's story. I have a picture of the earth, kind of that blue planet, you know, taken from space. And that's the creation part. God created the world perfectly. Then I have a picture of a a black and white picture of a child with their arms crossed, kind of crying into their arms. And I call that the people messed it up. That'd be the sin part of God's story. Then a picture of the cross, Jesus came to save. And a picture of children playing together. And that's the part where God is making everything new again, or one day everything will be right again. And we refer to that story, those pictures, almost every day. Um, Finding ourselves in God's story, reminding them where they fit in in God's story so that hopefully when they leave my classroom, they have an idea of of what God's story is and and where they fit in it. Sherry, uh, I don't think we've ever uh, talked to our listeners about the structure of our interview and our podcast. And so I'll just take that as maybe a chance to jump off and and say that we're going to head towards me asking you what's something you're passionate about, uh, a story that we're going to try to tell. Now, we just talked about the setting, right? Like the tell me about your school and your classroom walls. And, and, and just so you know, maybe our listeners are aware, what we try to do for the next little bit is that piece of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, a question around what's, what's your hope, what's the intention, what, what's good, and then what's something that gets in the way, the fall piece. And then how is Christ in, impacting, you know, your story? And then how are you working alongside God in the restoration? So, um, yeah, my, maybe uh, listeners can maybe hear that rhythm as we uh, go through these. So, uh, I'll ask that question. What, what's, what's, what's the story we're going to talk about today? What, what are you passionate about right now? Well, I already alluded a little bit to it. Uh, one of the things I'm passionate about is helping students know God's story But more than that, that they find their place in God's story. Uh, About five years ago, I was fortunate to take Teaching for Transformation training. And that helped me kind of find common language and a framework to put, put some of those pieces. One of the quotes that came up in that training that really stuck with me was by Nicholas Walterstorff. He says, it is nothing but a pious wish and a grossly unwarranted hope that students trained to be passive and non-creative in school will suddenly, upon graduation, actively contribute to the formation of Christian culture. So I really took that to heart, and I look for ways to help students find their place in God's story, ways that they can actively work to to make things new, like, like participate in what God is doing. Hmm. What I'm hearing from you is that, that, that deep hope there. Um, what would be a way that you would uh, make that come alive for, for kindergarten? Yeah. So we have a unique opportunity in Christian schools to celebrate that everyone is made in God's image That includes the kids who learn to read really quickly. It also includes the kids who can build an amazing car in the carpentry center 
or the kids who love 4-H and come in talking about their animals. So my superstar. deep hope, <laughs> superstar, <laughs> my deep hope is that students will know God's story and be inspired to use their unique gifts and experiences to be part of God's plan to make things new. Sherry, we've talked in the past with other educators who are uh, from Alberta. Uh, is uh, Lacombe an alternative public school or is it independent? Lacombe is an independent Christian school. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, yeah, so I love the way you're talking about your deep hope as, you know, um, the way uh, we've been created, you know, just uh, Jeremy, I, I do really appreciate you kind of trying to reveal some of the design in the flow. And so let's go to the fall then, Sherry. Can you talk a little bit about um, what specific parts of schooling get in the way of what you think we were created to do in school? Well, a lot of school is learning specific school, specific skills. So in primary, literacy and math are a big focus. And those things are important. Obviously, that's one of the main reasons why we go to school is to learn to read and to write and to do math and all those good things. But we spend so much time on those skills that often kids get the message that their gifts aren't as important. Gifts like gifts in the creative arts or things like generosity or kindness or the ability to build a shop or a barn without blueprints. I know people like that. Uh, those are amazing gifts. So we have to always fight against a little bit the the narrowness, I think, of education, trying to broaden it up to say all of us are made in God's images with all of our unique gifts. Mm. When I was teaching in grade three, there was a student, as there were every year, kid, a, a, a boy who struggled with reading and writing. And he would say, why is this easy for other kids? Or why mm. am I having to work so hard at this? Mm. On the first day of our building unit, I challenged the kids to build a tower as tall as they could using rolled up newspaper. And he built the tallest newspaper tower. We had to move the ceiling tiles out of the way. He just kept on going. And other kids had hardly figured out how to connect two rods of newspaper together. On that day, he became a kid that didn't just need help. He, he was a kid who had gifts. And whether that lasted through the whole year, I mean, he, you always need continual encouragement, but his value changed that day. We always want to look for opportunities to show kids where their value is mm. and where their gifts are. And the last I heard that boy is working in construction as an adult. Mm. So that's kind of cool. So I just want to comment how awesome it is that when he gets to the ceiling, you don't say, okay, that's enough. You're like, yeah. keep going, keep going. You right, remove dude. the ceiling tiles. That's amazing. That Thanks is. for removing the ceiling tiles. Mm. And I also love that, you know, Justin, you lead with, can we talk about the brokenness part? And Sherry takes us right to redemption. Because <laughs> that's a story of redemption mm -hmm. right there. And mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. So, we hope also that Christ has an impact on us and works in us and works in our students as well. How has Christ impacted your kindergarten class? Well, as I've said, I think the Bible clearly shows that God made everyone unique. God loves diversity. He could have made us all the same. He could have made every dog the same or every tree the same. He doesn't. He loves things that are different. And so I look for ways in the classroom to affirm students' unique gifts and provide them opportunities to explore that stuff. So things like water tables and sand tables and carpentry, uh, those centers help with that. But also in literacy, I moved away from sentence starters for student writing and have given students free choice about what to write about. So we model, do lots of modeling. We come up with ideas. We start by first sound, you know, making the first sounds of a words. Then we'll, we might add a couple high frequency words. 
around this time of year, they're starting to write in sentences, but we celebrate the things they're interested in. So students write about farming or hunting or hockey or sports or family or animals. Uh, and we celebrate the, the ways that they're different, the ways that they're, the things that they're interested in. Sherry, I love how you've already, as, as they've, you know, talked about some of the restoration pieces that you're already inviting kids into. Um, I'm curious, do you have some more examples of maybe projects or flex as we, you know, service learning, um, things that you've invited students into, into the restoration piece of the story? Yeah, so I'm always looking for opportunities for students to do real work for real people. And that helps us participate in God's work of renewal. So I'll talk about an idea, but I should just give a shout out to Justin because this was actually inspired by a workshop that I took with him at the PCCE convention about beautiful work. Uh, he was showing lots of different examples. It got my wheels turning and we came up with a calendar project. So we were we study animals and animals in their homes. And during that unit, we focused on being earth keepers, specifically helping wild animals. So I invited the local wildlife hospital and conservation group to give a presentation. So they came, well, it was over Zoom this year, of course, um, but they come with their their real live owl, an educator mm -hmm. owl. So Olive had been injured. She can't return to the wild, but she comes and educates kids on how they can participate in wildlife conservation. Well, the students were hooked. They listened to and read books. They watched videos. They Some of them researched at home and came in with stuff that they had learned at home. And we started creating art. We made 12 different animals using a variety of art techniques. And students started writing tips about how to be earth keepers. And we compiled a calendar. Every child had a piece of art in the calendar. Every child had a piece of writing in the calendar. And then the kids sold the calendars. And it was neat to see some of the kids who don't love reading or writing or art, some of them sold 10 calendars. Hmm. They just, everyone was able to use their gifts to make this project happen. So hmm. they sold calendars and we donate the, donated the proceeds. The other kindergarten class, my co-teacher, she joined us in it. Together between the two classes, we sold 120 calendars and we raised $700 for this wildlife hospital. And students just were so excited about earth keeping. Uh, even now, a, a number of months later, they still talk about, well, make sure you recycle your paper. We don't want to cut down more trees or mm -hmm. make sure you're putting the garbage away. You know, don't litter, those kinds of things. So mm -hmm. it was really neat to see how, how excited they got by it. What I love about that is again, the reminder that it's not real work or real need or literacy and numeracy. Mm. They're actually the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's a lot of intermediate and middle years teachers that need to be reminded of that on occasion. As a middle years teacher, I can I can just put that out there, that, that real work, that real need and literacy and numeracy, they're the same thing and why mm. we, we have the space to get there. I love that. Um, so you're you're addressing you've got five year olds six year six year olds right that's kindergarten if yeah I'm, five remember. turning six yeah. yeah addressing brokenness in your community um, talk to us a little bit about how that inspires you like for me that's habits of habits of living and habits of learning that if you're doing it when you're five and six mm -hmm. and you continue to do that till you're fifteen and sixteen. Christian schools are having an impact. So can, do you have any other stories around, around that sort of way of being that you can use to inspire the rest of us? Yeah, we, yeah, for the calendar project, of course, they, we were addressing the, 
the question of how human actions have caused problems for animals and ways that we can change that. Throughout the school year, we engage in a storyline that I've called Living God's Dream. It's based on a book, God's Dream, by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Mm. And we talk about what God's dream is. So going back to those big story pictures, God's big story. And we think about how we can live God's dream, specifically every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, all different, but uniting in worship, kind of that Revelation 7 verse 9. And so students see that all over. On the playground, if kids aren't getting along, they'll come in and say, so-and-so wasn't living God's dream. Or if they're helping, you know, helping each other, they'll come and say, they really were, I was living God's dream. I was helping so-and-so. Animal conservation was one of those ways too. Mm. Sherry, you, you gave us the challenging quote from Walter Storff at the very beginning of our conversation here, right? That we don't want pious wishes and unwarranted hopes. We want deep hopes. And then you shared with us your deep hope, you know, that students will know God's story and be inspired to use their unique gifts as part of his plan. An amazing hope. And then you told stories of a student who's a builder. You told us about a calendar project. All these ways that your hope is indeed deep and not just pious. And I'm just inspired by it. I'm, I'm excited by it. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd still like to share with us as we move to close here? Sure, just a couple of things. So for, for every unit that we do, we ask ourselves, how can we live God's dream? So at Christmas, we shared God's love with the, the school neighbors, so all the houses around. We baked treats, we made Christmas cards, and we delivered to the neighbors. During our winter unit, we thought about being servant workers by organizing the lost and found. Kids were busy screwing and nailing. We used tin, recycled tin cans, and they have little holders now for all the mittens and the hats. Mm. During our C unit, we're helping others enjoy God's creation by making an ABC book to share with other classes, and then we'll donate it to our school library. During our food unit, we make birthday boxes. So we collect food, we make some cards and a little gifts, and then we give them to the food bank for kids who might not otherwise have birthday celebrations. All of those things are ways of helping kids be active in God's plan. And like we said earlier, that doesn't mean we have to lessen our academic rigor. It takes a little bit of creativity to come up with those ideas, but kids are super engaged in wanting to form their letters correctly or spelling words properly, you know, making it look the very best that it can revising, trying again to make it look good. They see the purpose, they see the need for it, and they are just eager to play their part in God's story. Sherry, thank you so much for uh, sharing your part um, in God's story. I, I just think that as a kindergarten teacher, you, you could probably engage students uh, with these wonderful like, play stations, all you know, and and I don't think they would probably complain um, at that age. They would probably be just fine. Yet you have gone beyond that and said, you know, this even at this age, I'm not going to wait till the grade five teacher invites them into God's story, or I'm not going to wait till the grade ten teacher makes sure this isn't grossly unwarranted. By kindergarten already, I want them to start practicing that cult that that uh, their place in God's story. So. Uh, that's my way of saying thank you for sharing and for us to maybe transition now to our what we call celebration of learners. On the Every Square Centimeter website, we have an ever-growing gallery that we call our celebration of learners. It is populated with wonderful people that have joined us on our podcast, shared a bit of their journey, and I've had at least one other person write something nice about them. And today, the leadership team at Lacombe Christian School, so shout out to Martin Folkerts, Connie DeBoone, Tim Van Duesberg, and Jenny Ray Sove, wrote a letter for you, Sherry. So I'm just going to read that. 
Sherry is a passionate Christian teacher at LCS. Her deep hope is that her students will know God's story and be inspired to use their unique gifts and abilities to be active participants in God's plan to make all things new. She truly lives out her deep hope in her kindergarten classroom by modeling to her students how to live God's dream. Regular kindergarten activities are taught with an emphasis on teaching for transformation themes and terminology. She regularly looks for opportunities for her young students to participate in God's story through service and community building projects. This year, they were community builders by sharing candy and visiting with the grades one to three students. They also had an opportunity to share baking with neighbors around the school, and they changed the look of the lost and found corner. Sherry is a blessing to her students and our school community. She is always looking for ways to support her students' learning by getting them the necessary help while also providing support to parents. Sherry is very musical and uses her musical talents to lead singing for K-3 students and teachers on Friday mornings. At the end of the school day, you will hear her say, The Lord be with you, and her students respond, and also with you. Thank you, Sherry, for the passion and gifts you bring to our LCS community. Wow. Well, that's very kind of them, and I appreciate all of their support as well. How, Sherry, how, it, how Sorry, Jeremy. How awesome is it that they talked exactly about what we talked about? Like, that is incredible, that they, the alignment of school identity and connection to you, Sherry. That's that's pretty cool. Sorry, Jeremy. It's it for the music part. Like, come on. I know I'm kind of Jeremy off, too. That was a whole nother angle. We did. We did. Yeah. There was no singing. There was no. Come on. We missed out there. Another day, maybe. Well, I, I'm going to let her off the hook and 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 say thank you for being a, a trooper today because you talked about the, you're you've been battling some laryngitis here. So thank you for even uh, joining us today and and, and coming. I'm, so I'm not going to put you on the spot to sing, is what I'm what I'm saying. So, Sherry, is, is there uh, if someone wants to connect, is there a way that they could connect with you? Sure, they can contact me at s tenhove at lacs dot ca. Or they can check out my kindergarten Instagram at the underscore joyfilled underscore kindergarten. There's some pictures of some of the projects I've been talking about and a variety of books and other things on there. I love that that name. That's awesome. Listeners, we would love your involvement in our podcast as well. Email us at everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator we should celebrate. Or just fair, share us maybe some of your fun stories. Um, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, you know, we'd love for people to rate, review, and subscribe. And I just want to update Darren and Justin and our listeners. We went from seven to eight ratings. So I want to just tell that person out there that we see you and we appreciate you. <laughs> uh, and whoever wants to put the first review in there, go ahead, try it out. Let's see what that looks like. So thank you. Uh, that was on Apple Podcasts, so maybe people are putting on other ones, but I didn't check. Darren, before you send us off with a blessing, I want to thank Sherry for hosting our coterie today and ask if anyone knows what group of animals forms a coterie. I'll go to Justin. Oh, nice, because Darren was so fast yeah, to jump. You see, he was like, <laughs> I saw that. nice, Jeremy, ready. nice. I, I was thinking doves. I don't know, like uh, oh, co- coterie of doves? doves. I like the sound of that. Yeah, coterie of doves. Okay, if, if, Darren, I was, were... if I was Darren, I'd know the type of dove. <laughs> Mr. Roosevelt Elk over there. Elk, yeah. He's still still claiming that one. Kate, Darren? I distinctly remember when I was with my Uncle Gary on the farm and we'd be hurtling down the gravel roads. Um, and if we saw like the little groundhogs or whatever, there was definitely a shot taken at those. So I'm going, because I know you go with local, I'm going with like the little groundhog prairie dogs that they got in that area. Okay, so coterie of prairie dogs. Uh, What was the first thing you called them? Groundhogs, I think. Okay, so yeah, groundhogs. Okay, Sherry, what do you think? I was. I think I'm close, actually. Just for the record, that clarification, I wonder if that was a tell. I'm just wondering. I wonder too. I was thinking maybe it's a Lacombe hog. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sherry. That's all right. I was going to go with hawks, maybe, but I think maybe Darren's closer, but I'll go with hawks. Yeah. So I, I hate to do this because he, the Roosevelt out, but no! this one, it definitely, it definitely, like when he said the fruit, he was a little bit off with his, the naming of, uh, of it, but uh, is it, it a Richardson ground st- squirrel? Well, he, this is the, yeah, very nice. Very nice. That's even more specific than a Roosevelt elk because. What I learned is that 
We often call them gophers or prairie dogs, but they're really actually ground squirrels. So a little bit of background here. Um, There's a shirt. Here's an article from CBC. There's a surefire way to mildly annoy zoologist and University of Lethbridge professor Gail Michener and involves misrepresenting the Richardson's ground squirrel. Nice work, Sherry. And Darren, Uh, but Sherry. Yeah, very good. Um, So I'll give it up. (laughs) Basically, Michener is saying... Uh, we've we've been calling these things wrong all along. Um, he's uh, she's saying that there are basically only two species of squirrels that live in trees in Alberta. The, all the rest of them, there's eleven that live on the ground. So we often call the ones in the trees squirrels. And so if they are tiny, they're called chipmunks. If they're medium sized, they're called ground squirrels. Any bigger than that, it's a marmot. However, early Western European settlers probably associated the Richardson ground squirrel with other burrowing animals and deemed it a gopher. Okay, so here's the interesting thing. A gopher actually has multiplicity of uses. Okay, there are gopher tortoises. There are gopher snakes. There are pocket gophers. The thing that's in common in all of these is that it refers to an organism that lives in tunnels in the ground. So it's, it's almost like a root word. So what I'm telling you guys is that Gophers are basically, okay, they are, gophers are to squirrels as pickles are to cucumbers. Okay? <laughs> okay. Just like we should be calling pickles pickled cucumbers, gophers should be called gopher squirrels. Okay? That would help, actually, if, if we did that. So that's the, the problem there. So pickled- we just went down, rather than a rabbit hole, I believe, we just went yeah. down oh. a gopher hole here. You went no, down a, a, gr- a, a gopher, gopher squirrel, squirrel hole. hole. Mm, yes. Absolutely. So, or my a, question: a, Richard, a Richardson, a Richardson ground squirrel, <laughs> a Richards uh, <laughs> hole. <laughs> so, my question to you, after all of that, uh, is: What's something you've spent your life, your whole life, being wrong about, or at least a good chunk of your life? Uh, Justin, what do you got? Well, I have a, a distinct memory of being in the Fraser Valley Christian High staff room. And near the beginning of my career. So it's not my whole life, but I, I should probably just keep making the mistake because I was so shamed by it. But I, I talked about, uh, I used, the, I forget the sentence now, but something like, you know, I'll bite something. And the colleague I was talking with is like, I'll bite? I'm like, yeah, I'll bite. He's like, do you mean I'll be it? and in that moment as an english teacher at the start of my career i was like i am screwed like it is over Uh, i was so uh, ashamed i was like no uh, but yeah (laughs) so So good there you go i'll bite darren all right, so I'm going to take a cop out on this question and embrace some theology and say, um, with the gift, I would say, of total depravity and knowing that pretty much I'm nothing without the grace of God, um, my very existence is is tainted except for the grace of God. So I'm going to go with um, the gift of total depravity as a reminder Mm-hmm. that there's maybe more wrong than right, but that's okay because God is with me and I get to live in his grace. Mm. Goes deep. We should have had him transition to the blessing. Hey, Sherry. Yeah, that's hard to follow. <laughs> <laughs> you can't follow total depravity. So Sherry, <laughs> Sherry take, take, take a stab. What, what's something maybe you've, you've been wrong about? Well, as a city girl transplanted to the country, there's a whole bunch of country things that I am frequently wrong about. But one that I remember is the the road graders that come down and, you know, kind of pick up all the gravel and make the road nice and smooth again. And I never really knew whether it was road grader or road grader. So I would always kind of just fumble my way through it until <laughs> yeah. my husband fairly, very kindly just pointed out that I didn't say it quite right. So he <laughs> taught me that it is a road grader. <laughs> kindergarten or kindergarten, <laughs> yeah, Sherry? Same idea. Kindergarten. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there we go. Thank you so much, uh, Sherry, for uh, taking part in, in uh, this and. Uh, hosting us today. Darren, can you end this with a blessing? 
So this blessing is inspired by um, Sherry. It's a repeat from one earlier, but I just thought it uh, very much matched her story today. May God give you glimpses of what he is up to in your life and the lives of your students. May he give you the courage to lean towards formation rather than information, toward relationship and learning rather than competition and achievement. May the future you see in Christ give you the strength to walk faithfully today. And may your smile be the light of Christ in the lives of everyone you meet. Amen. Amen. Stay encouraged, educators. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.